Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1219 of the Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. Today's show will be a crossover episode with myself, Chris Manning, and Evan Damerill of the Locked on Cavs podcast, talking all about Friday's game in Cleveland. The Hawks with a winner go home game for the second time in three days. Of course, they famously won in blowout fashion on Wednesday. If you missed anything from that podcast, I did a solo episode about it on Wednesday, talking about all of what transpired as well as look ahead to Friday. Final thing before we turn it over to myself, Chris, and Evan, you'll be hearing those guys momentarily. John Collins is officially out for the Hawks as of Thursday evening. Lou Williams also out for Atlanta. Michael McDonough says questionable with an ankle issue, so we'll keep an eye on that in advance of Friday. But uh, if the Hawks win on Friday, the season will continue, and they'll be playing on Sunday afternoon in Miami. If they were to lose, they'll be in the lottery and the season will be over and we'll have much more details on that if necessary over the weekend. But regardless, the podcast will be here in full force. Even if the season ends, we go to all season mode with transactions and all that fun stuff, season reviews, etc. So please, please, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all those places. And without further delay, here is the intro and you'll be hearing from myself, Chris and Evan on Hawks Cavs. And we'll see you after the game on Friday. You are locked on Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked On Cavs podcast with my co-host, David Damerell, and Locked On Hawks host, Brad Rowland. It's a little Locked On Cavs, Locked On Hawks crossover today. We're diving into Jared Allen perhaps being back, the Hawks being favorites in segment one, segment two, X-Factors and Keys for the Cavs, and segment three, X-Factors and Keys for the Hawks. Let's get into it. All right, Chris Manning here covering the Cavs for Diamond Up Rocks. Brad also covers the NBA for Diamond Up Rocks. And Evan is at Facebook's right to Nuclid as well as SB Nations for this week where I am as well. Guys, I think the only place to start uh, is that Jared Allen is listed as questionable. He will apparently try to play Friday. He has not played since March 6th when he got Brogut's finger against the Raptors. Since then, the Cavs are 7 and 11, 7 and 12, if you include the play and loss to Brooklyn. Over that stretch, they have the league's 23rd best defense, the 20th ranked offense, and the 20th best net rating. Uh, Allen's been great all year, all that stuff. Evan, from a Cavs perspective, what is what does Jared Allen perhaps returning mean? Well, I mean, it shows all the Twitter medical experts right that after 20 games off, he was more than available to play. But more than anything, I think just the fact that this is going to be a pretty juiced crowd tomorrow. Uh, Cleveland is a sports city, as we know. The Guardians are opening up next door. There's probably going to be some overflow. I think the game for the Cavs is sold out, and I think they're going to be kind of electric in this one. And the team will feed off of that quite a bit. But if you have Allen's at 80% of his ability, that is a presence to kind of slow down Clint Capella, kind of wall off Trey Young if he's attacking the basket and pick and roll scenarios. And it'll also give the Cavs a little bit of a shot in the arm as well because defensively, Jared Allen at least will mask some things for the Cavs, maybe not the fullest of his extent just because of the injury. But it's a promising return. Do you have any thoughts on a Chuck Arino? You reached already, but look, I I just am skeptical of what we're going to see from Jared Allen. This is a guy who hasn't played in a month. This is a guy who JB Bickerstaff has kind of gone out of his way to say like, hey, like he hasn't done five on five. 
He's been doing very controlled stuff with coaches. We have no idea what you're getting for Jared Allen. I, and and I'm, I just, I am Not concerned. I'm concerned. Well, for I him. think you know what you're getting. I just don't know how much of it you're getting. Well, like, I mean, like if Jared Allen's hand is still not comfortable enough where he's in a lot of pain and can't like catch a basketball and block shots with his hand, like that seems suboptimal for like a guy whose job is going to be to block Clint Capella at the rim and like dunk the ball and lobs from Darius what, Garland. What he, what he should do is, is, um, there's a kid I played middle school football with named Clay. I'll leave his last name out to not dox him, but he broke his hand in practice one day and he literally wrapped up the cast and he looked to get a giant club on his arm and use that as a weapon. I think this is a golden opportunity, Chris. Okay. Brad, you look at this game. The Hawks come in as uh, the last time we've seen the line, two point favorite started at 1.5 was up at 2.5 at, at its highest. Does Jared Allen in your mind change how you feel about what this game may or may not be? I think definitely. I mean, the question, of course, like you guys just said, is what he actually looks like, how much he can play, how rusty he is. Can he catch the ball? But, you know, defensively, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know. It's a different team with Jared Allen. Uh, And I think that's uh, I'm a lot more afraid if I'm the Hawks, if Jared Allen is even like 80 percent of himself, um, just because of the matchups and the way that they might be able to guard Atlanta if he's playing versus when he's not. Uh, And I think that, you know, the the element of mystery is also a little bit challenging. Not that the Hawks are going to change everything about their game plan, but if they were to try to craft a game plan it's gonna be hard to do that now because you have to prepare for two different scenarios on fairly short rest only one day in between you're preparing for a uh, the eventuality of a kevin love laurie markinen duo versus jared allen uh it's a very different preparation especially because kevin love kind of owns the hawks too which is a little bit of a sneaky thing so uh i'm certainly more afraid now than i was a couple days ago i'm not I, I looked at the game against the Hornets and it's like this is like not a new weakness for the Hornets, but it's like they don't have they did not have anyone that could really like stop Capella from rolling, stop Capella from doing Clint Capella things. No one whatsoever. Literally no one. <laughs> literally, like, literally, like, there's literally no resistance there. And Alan, like if he's going to be close to what he was, can even play 20 effective minutes or something. That's like a really big deal in, in combating Capella. It also gets the Cavs back to defensively, I think, in theory, like what they would like to do. Their defense just, again, has not been nearly as good as on the year. It's still like the fifth best defense in terms of net rating. It is like a bottom third of the league defense since Jared Allen has been out. Their scheme has been based on the, him being a back wall and also switching when necessary. And like, you're going to, I will get to how the Cavs perhaps are going to defend Trey young and some of the ways they, they might do that. But like switching onto Trey can be dicey, but like, if you're going to have to do with bigs, Mobley and Allen's like kind of the two guys you would probably want to try it with. And secondly, Brad, I, I, you, I know you've been hammering this point a lot on lockdown Hawks, can you just explain to people like how good Clint Capella has been the last couple of months? Because I know he's hit a level that he maybe wasn't at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's basically been the guy he was last year, which I thought was like a stealth all-defense all, all defense candidate. Like, that's how good he was last year, like a top, I don't know, 30, 40 player in the league. That's how good he was. And this year, like kind it. of a slow start. Like, he, he had an Achilles thing coming out of the offseason, and they had a very short offseason because of the, the long run that they made. So he was not quite himself early on. And people noticed that, and I think they were right to a certain extent. I think it was probably a little bit overstated, but he's been really good for two or three months. And, you know, going back to the Allen point and what you said about the Hornets, like last night, or I guess Wednesday night as we're recording this, um, was about the easiest matchup in the world for the Hawks on the interior because Charlotte just had absolutely nothing. And, you know, if Allen's not there – Mobley can probably handle a little bit of stuff with, with regards to Clint Capella, but especially on the glass, Capella is arguably the best rebounder in the league. He's certainly on the top five rebounders in the league, and he can make a huge imprint there. And then defensively, he's always fantastic. Like he's been rim protecting and rebounding and flying around. He's the, he's the captain of the defense, all that stuff. So 
they're just different with with him playing like this. And I think that's probably one of the keys to the Hawks being hotter in the second half of the season is that he's been, you know, a level or two up. Let's end on this in this first segment, guys. Again, the bet online has the Hawks as two point favorites. Do you guys feel like Atlanta should be the favorite? I want to start with Evan. Should Atlanta be the favorite here? And and is there a well if 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 there was a case for Cleveland to be the favorite in this game, what would you what would you have that as? Uh, I don't disagree with the line. It was Atlanta by three um, earlier in the day. I think before the Allen news dropped, especially when Shams Taranian, Adrian Wojnarowski, and others kind of said he might be a game time decision at that point. But I don't disagree with it because you got to give the Hawks benefit the benefit of the doubt. Like like Brad said, um, Clint Capella is an absolute monster on the defensive side of the ball. He is a monster on offense for Atlanta. He can kind of wreak havoc on the interior for Cleveland, who has next to no interior presence right now without Jared Allen. And also, Trey Young is a superstar, so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. And also, they did make the East Finals last year, and you need to respect that as well. And the Cavs are still kind of unproven, and they really dropped the ball in the first quarter against the Nets. So it's a, I understand why maybe outsiders are down on the Cavs, but internally, like I think they have a puncher's chance in this one. Right? how do you feel? Yeah, I think that's all about right. I mean, I think just objective like team quality – roster quality i think the hawks are the better team right now particularly when you factor in the uncertainty with allen um having the best player in the, in the game with trey is a big factor and that's not anything disrespect to darius garland who's really good as well but trey is probably a little a little beyond that at this point and i think that you know they've also been here in a way that, that this cast team has not been here i think that could be overrated sometimes to be honest and that it could be like this huge talking point but i think the hawks are not gonna be afraid of going on the road in this game on the flip side and we'll get into this later on i'm sure the Hawks have been pretty bad on the road for like three months now. So that's the one maybe positive thing if you're a Cavs fan is that you have this game at home. If this game was in Atlanta, Atlanta would be a pretty solid favorite in my mind. But the fact that it's in Cleveland is certainly going to level the playing field a little bit. I, I think Atlanta is the right favorite in this game. I think I look at how this game, the, the different ways these teams could win to me, it feels like Atlanta has maybe a couple more avenues to a victory. I think Cleveland kind of has to have like a good defensive performance and like just get just enough offense where if Atlanta gets going on offense and Trey Young in particular doesn't play at the level he did, like he didn't have a good scoring game against against Charlotte. If he has a good scoring game and like everything else kind of goes the same similar way, even if Allen is back and makes some kind of impact, I think Cleveland's path to victory here is a little bit tricky. Just as of note, the Hawks did win the season series, including when on March 31st when Allen was out. So that that's where things stand again. Jared Allen is questionable. We'll try to play. It seems like he's still dealing with pain in his finger. Uh, notably, I would just just because I'm, I'm me and I, I feel like it's worth noting these things. The Cavs have not been particularly uh, transparent about some of this compared to, let's say, how Michael Malone is talking about Jamal Murray or the Warriors talking about Steph Curry. Uh, JB's playing things very close to the vest. We have not. Uh, I would frankly, I would have a lot of questions for Jared Allen himself that I would like to kind of know how he feels about his finger. He has not uh, been around of late. So we'll get into uh, some Cavs X factors and keys to victory after the break here. But first going to tell everyone about our friends at bet online bet online. As everyone knows, is the official betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network, and they have all the latest sports developments, including last week's Masters. They have podcast reviews in all the different leagues around the world, including like Argentinian basketball for some reason. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. For instance, the Cavs are two-point underdogs against the Hawks in Friday's game. Maybe you feel the Hawks are going to win. They're going to cover. Easy. Maybe you feel like the Cavs are actually going to win. You're going to pick them. And look, Maybe Jared Allen, if he does play, has an impact on that in some way. So that's worth keeping an eye on. 
head to their website today or use your mobile device to to learn more about the trends in action. You can bet on like the Lakers head coach, I guess, if you want to throw some money on Mark Jackson, if, if you're a sicko like that. Uh, that's bet online. That's where the game starts. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. All right, back here on these Locked On Cavs, Locked On Hawks crossover. I'm Chris. That's Evan. We got Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks here. Uh, Evan, I want to ask you, as far as Cavs X Factors goes, who is at the top of your list? I really think Isaac Okoro is kind of the biggest X Factor here. You want to see how... Let's go. Atlanta's own, by the way. Atlanta's own. Atlanta's own Isaac Okoro. But you have to see how GB Bickerstaff utilizes him. I was asked a question about this in the Write Down Euclid mailbag, but... um, if you want a key to success, you like you maybe you match Trey Young's minutes with Isaac Okoros just to kind of have like a defensive stopper on Young a little bit. I think it's going to be easier said than done to stop a superstar like that if you're Cleveland, but it's definitely worth a shot at the end. And maybe just him, and then off also on offensive is offense as well. Like he was a non-factor against Brooklyn. You need to get a little bit of something out of Isaac, whether it's through cutting Chris Manning's favorite, or maybe just getting him some good looks on the perimeter as well. Yeah, he did brick two open threes in that game, played 13 minutes against the Nets. Uh, and notably, we saw Rajon Rondo, who Brad knows very well. And him and I have, he's like, Chris, you're having the same experience I had with Rondo. And it was it was interesting to talk about that. I think it's Okoro as well. I think if you look at how you're going to defend Trey, I don't suspect the Cavs are going to trap him aggressively like some teams have done. Um, that has never really been what they've done defensively. And as I've learned from listening to Lachlan Hawks and, and talking to Brad, uh, the Hawks got to build a roster to like deal with the traps and let Trey's best skill, his passing, like do the work around the trap. So I, I don't suspect the Cavs will do that. I think you'll see some of the zone with Mobley either roaming or at the top of the key at times. Um, Allen, I think certainly, again, if he's healthy, it'll be much different. You'll feel better about some of this if he's your backline at the rim against Capella and Kongu versus like Lowry Markin and back there where Markin kind of had some real issues with that against the Nets. Just a bit. Um, I, I just look at Okoro. He's the point of attack guy on the team. Rondo's just not up up to defending Trey. And Okoro has to like do enough offensively to make this worth it. But like, and he's not gonna shut down Trey, but he is your best chance to, I think, make Trey really work for his points. And I just cannot see Brad, the Cavs winning this game unless they have a defensive performance that is at least decent. Unless this defensive performance from Cleveland is at least like adequate and they don't have to get in a shootout of any kind. I just don't really know how they win this game. And Okor is going to be a part of that in my mind. Yeah, I think that aside from Allen, who's like the very obvious X factor in this game and that we don't know anything about him, I think Okor was a perfectly reasonable pick um, just because they have to have somebody that can bother Trey a little bit. Um, you mentioned the the blitzing. Like, I know why Charlotte did that. It was not successful at all. And the thing about the Hawks now is that Trey's been playing at this level for so long that he's now seen basically every coverage that he can see. And it's not going to be a surprise to him anymore. I can't imagine Cleveland's going to try something they don't normally do either in this spot. So I think Accor being the primary makes a lot of sense. And I think he won't necessarily bother Trey too much, but he's he's got, he's got the best chance at doing it. Um, beyond that, I know I mentioned Kevin Love before, but I think Kevin Love is a guy who – could be an X factor in this game, not this, not, not because of his defense. Obviously, you talk about defense, and I agree with you overall, Chris, that the Cavs are going to have to win this game by keeping the Hawks in check on the end of the floor. But I think really the big thing, if I'd be worried about the Hawks, is, is their own defense, and that means, of course, Garland being the number one thing to slow down. But Love, as a guy who you know notoriously has kind of bit on the Hawks a little bit, I think he's averaging like 19 a game against them this year, shooting well from three, and. 
they're spacing the floor, trying to get Capella away from the rim as well, especially if Allen's not out there or mm-hmm. Allen's not available uh, at the end of the day. Um, that, that means more love. And particularly if you can get, if you can get Capella to leave the rim, then the Hawks don't have a lot of supporting pieces to protect the rim. And that sort of space could create, can be created by Garland. And it kind of has a chain effect. So, um, I think you're right to say the defense is the most important thing here for the Cavs because offensively they have a pretty juicy matchup against this Hawks team. But uh, I, I, to throw a curveball at you, I will I will, I will say Kevin Love is a, an, is a pretty big one for me. I like that pickup, though. Like, that's yeah. not a bad pick. Like, Kevin Love could be a bit of an X factor because if Isaac Okoro is non-existent and you're leading on Rajon Rondo and Kevin Love like you did against Brooklyn, it could be a very different ball game. <laughs> Well, and the Rondo like, revenge game, folks. Rondo yeah. revenge game. He he, yeah. he did say he's like I I was with Trey for a few months. I know what he's about and what he's trying to do. Because somebody asked him about blitzing on high pick and rolls and like how the Hawks like utilize that. And Rondo's like, no, you don't do that against the Hawks. And I'm like, okay, at least he at least yeah. he understands it. Look, Rondo for all of his words, like you, I like understand. He's incredibly intelligent. It's, it's not surprising yes. me that that JB was like, ah, yes, this is the time I'm going to try to play Rondo 30 minutes and play him with DG in like this sort of moment, even though we hadn't seen it. Right? How do how do the Hawks go? I, I want to ask about Darius for a second. Yeah. How, how do the Hawks go about defending a, a point guard who plays the way Darius does? Like, what what are they? What are the what are they? What are the cat? What can Cavs fans expect to see the Hawks perhaps throw at Garland um, in this game? Yeah, it's it's one of the weaknesses of this team, actually, is that point of attack defense. In fact, I was arguing for most of the season, I think I probably still would, and that is the Hawks' number one weakness this year as a team is just stopping point of attack guys and Garland being excellent as he is in a pick and roll. And, um, you know, obviously they can't just, they can't just put Trey on him. It's not going to be a one-on-one matchup. They're going to have to put somebody else on him. It's been Kevin Herter a lot. And Herter is, I think, an underrated defender, but not someone who's going to be this, like, dominant on-ball guy. He guarded, he guarded the mellow ball pretty well, actually, on Wednesday. He'll probably start on Garland as the primary. And while Capella is awesome, he's kind of limited too, and that he's not going to be switching. He's not going to be playing, uh, you know, out on the floor too, too much. He's mostly a drop guy, and that's what Garland would probably love to see in this matchup. So that's honestly number one concern of the entire game for the Hawks is probably slowing Garland and not letting Garland do whatever he wants in this game. I don't know if they could actually do it, but I think it's going to be Herter. I think you'll probably see DeLon Wright when he's playing because um, he's actually probably their best perimeter defender at the moment. And then if they get in a bind, they might throw DeAndre Hunter on him just for some more size to see if that bothers Garland at all. Because Hunter, while he plays a lot of three and even some four now for the Hawks, has been their lead guard defender at times when he's been able to do that. Without Collins, less so because they've had to play him more in big roles. But I think Garland's going to see a lot of different guys and a lot of different coverages, and we'll see if the Hawks can pull it off. But um, Capella being a little bit limited there, maybe a Kongwu is just as an X factor. Kongwu is more of the like out on the floor guy, like he's a six eight center. And he could be more useful if they want to trap and kind of bother him that way. I, I really like a Kongu. I really, really like a Kongu. Me too, of, man. Become, he's become very good. Kevin Porter um, Jr. Kobe he was, so, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was so close to being a cap, wasn't he? Uh, that, no, well, that, no. KPJ apparently went to the front <laughs> office and said, you need to draft my guy, a Kongu. I and also in politely the, in, laughed and drafted Isaac Corho. Yeah, in that in that draft, my my the, we did like mocks for, for the sword and stuff. And I was like, take a Kongu. You need a... Uh, you need a center, and then lo and behold, they get Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and things. things, well, things I think, I think it worked out for everyone. I'm a big yeah. fan of Kong Wu, and I don't, I don't think the Cavs need him now because of the way that this has all gone with Allen and Mobley. So we'll call, yes. we'll call it even, I guess. Yes. Uh, I, and look, just to say it again, Jared Allen, what he looks like, if he plays, how much he plays, that is really like the variable that we just can't predict. Like we can look at Okora, we can look at how Garland might play, how Atlanta might defend him, Kevin Love, all that stuff, and kind of, I think, quantify it to some degree. We, I have generally 
no idea what to expect from Jared Allen. I, I like no. looking on Twitter when the news broke How today. Could people, you? <laughs> people were like, people were like so excited, and I'm just like, guys, I don't, I don't know what I, to expect here. I understand the excitement because you haven't seen yeah. him in nearly 20 games, but I agree with you, Chris. Like, I don't know what to expect. I have heard he's like maybe 80% as the maximum of his ability, which is still pretty good. That's it. the Cavs are now 80% better defensively, especially on the interior now. And but at the same time, if he gets banged around a few times, is his finger going to bother him enough that he kind of tr- stops trying on defense as hard? Or maybe like, I don't know, it's going to be an issue. And then let's say the Cavs beat the Hawks. It's going to be a continued issue and they go play Miami on Sunday. Yeah, there's just a lot there. Like, uncertainty is that I mean, it's just uncertainty because I had the same yeah. um, sort of thought process. You know, John Collins, there were some rumblings that he could be upgraded for this game. He's not, by the way, he's going to he's going to be out. Mm-hmm. But same thing. He hasn't played in a month. And people were asking me, like, look, I have no idea if, if he does play and now he's not going to like what he can because you can't know unless you see a guy and Collins like Allen has not played any five on five at all. It's a very similar situation other than Allen might actually play and Collins is not going to. But we're all we'd all be guessing anybody that thinks they, that they know what they're going to get from Jared Allen. It's not in that practice. So good luck. <laughs> I will let's, let's this last year now thing I'll say I and I just want to emphasize this this kind of these kind of dual points number one I think people forget sometimes how little NBA teams actually get to practice they don't practice like at all they barely no. get like full go stuff and then when they do it's like kind of almost sometimes I feel like for the fact of getting guys up to speed and getting them through some workouts as far as Jared Allen goes it was very striking to me how Many times in the last week, he's been asked about it. JB Bickerstaff has kind of went out of his way to say, like, he's only really done stuff with coaches and walkthroughs and stuff, and not like and an he's also said, he's just said a lot, like, he's progressing. That's just basically JB's answer for the last month is he's progressing, which, which like, which, which is, yeah, no, but at the same time, I understand why you don't set expectations because then it puts the onus of public pressure on top of the team. Yeah, and then you all, but then and if I, the te- but if the yeah. team was able to stay above water and not have this dramatic of a slide, I don't think there would be this much like hand rigging over his availability or not also just keep it honest and like things are usually a little bit better he does keep it honest though if you press enough like he said he practices the side he practices with coaches we've watched him in games chris he's just getting shots up on a one-on-one scenario where the coach is maybe playing five percent defense (laughs) i just transparency is is everyone's friend okay after the break look evan you know i have crotchety chris look if slash when the caps do exit interviews into the year you know who's going to be annoyed? This guy. All right. After the break, we're going to talk about some Hawks, X-Factors, um, and everything Brad's going to be looking for in this game from the Lockton Hawks perspective. But Evan, first got to tell everyone about our friends at Built Bar. Brad, do you have a favorite Built Bar flavor? Ooh, I've changed this like a hundred times. I like the uh, all the all the all the chocolate chip ones are all good, like cookie dough. My all man. those little like my man variations are my favorite. Although one uh, curveball is lemon almond cheesecake. Love that one. Boom. Bomb. Look, Bilt Bars are the best season for us out there. I, I agree. Cookie dough is great. Cookies and cream is great. They just yep. brought back peanut butter, which uh, when they sent us that originally was pretty darn good. These are the healthiest protein bars out there. They can, and Most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Look, there's great flavors. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, cookies and cream. When they have cookie dough, you got to get that. They have blueberry muffin right now. Like, you can't really go wrong. They put the taste first. They make everything taste delicious. And then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they do it every time. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that includes their puffs. You can't really beat Built Bar. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off of your order. Again, that promo code for great flavors like mint brownie, coconut, cookies and cream, and all of their new ones that they're dropping. 
Use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Evan, why don't you tell also tell everyone about our friends at Rock Auto? Sure thing, man. This episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto store to stock all the parts you need. Winder often pointless for seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And if you're interested, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on and their how-did-you-hear-about-us box to know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. All right, back here, Locked on Cavs, Locked on Hawks crossover. We're covering some Hawks, Keys, and X-Factors. So, Brad, where do you want to start? What are some keys to Atlanta winning this game? Yeah, I mean, it's not a secret. The Hawks have been pretty bad defensively for most of the season, and I think that's the area of the floor you have to worry about. And I've kind of, cir- I've kind of circled not letting Garland beat them. Now, that's that's very sort of easier said than done because Garland is obviously the, uh, the sun, moon, and stars for the offense for Cleveland. That's not like I'm breaking news there. But I think that uh, if they can just not give up a ton of threes off of that as well, it's basically either let Garland score, and I say let, obviously let him or at least make him try to beat you as a scorer or beat you as a passer and not both. That'd be what I would say. Like, do not let him get wherever he wants to the entire way, whether that be Herter getting in front of him, bothering him with length, um, not breaking down on the backside. Some of the rotation issues that the Hawks have been having have been better recently, but uh, giving up open threes to Love and Markkanen and even Levert would be bad in this game just because that's that's variance. If you're the Hawks and you think that you're the better team, I'm sure they do think that in this game, giving up a bunch of three-point attempts that are open is a quick way to give away your advantage uh, everywhere else. So that's my number one thing is basically point of attack defense. And as a sneaky curveball defensively also, Capella has been awesome, but he can't play 48 minutes and he won't play 48 minutes. And I, I love a Kongwu, but when he when Capella leaves the floor, there's still a drop off uh, pretty much everywhere defensively. Um, Kongwu is more mobile, but every other box is checked by Capella and particularly the defensive glass. So if Allen plays, especially or if they go big with that sort of sort of the three big lineups, the Hawks uh, have a tendency to break down on the glass when Capella sits and that could be a vulnerable spot for them. Evan, what you, and as far as the Cavs attacking some of what Brad is outlining there, what, what stands out to you? I mean, like Brad said, point of attack defense on the Hawks side of things is going to be a struggle for them. I agree with this assessment that that's one of the Atlanta's biggest weaknesses. If you're Cleveland, you're probably looking to exploit that by prying defenders off Darius Garland. I think avoiding maybe what the Nets did to like Bruce Brown or what the Bucks have done with Drew Holiday or the Heat with Jimmy Butler, like just obviously elite perimeter defenders and point of attack defenders. If you pry those off Darius and kind of make his life easier and get him comfortable, it's going to maybe be a little easier for the Cavs to stay in the race at times with Atlanta. But if you're asking me for a straight up X factor, I think Atlanta shooters in general are an X factor because Chris, you can disagree with me if you want, but the Cavs aren't a great perimeter defense team. There's only so much Isaac Horro can do. There's only so much Lamar Stevens can do. You're forcing Larry Markin on the switches. You're forcing Evan Mobley, who at times looks comfortable, but he's still a rookie. Jared Allen's the same way. Darius Garland's not ideal on the perimeter. He's a good positional defender but like he can get carved up and pick and rolls and things like that and the hawks could really eat the Cavs alive from their inside out game because they could make defenses collapse on trey and trey can just kick it out to a shoot on the edge and the Cavs can't recover I, the thing about this that i find interesting is that if there's ever 
a game where Larry Markkinen maybe can't have some of the issues we've seen him play if Jared Allen can't go, and even if Jared can't go. There's not a the, the apex like wing scorer on the wing here for Atlanta that has given. I'm, I'm just thinking like you're telling Larry Markin to have his come to Jesus moment about his per, his defensive capability. <laughs> well, no, well, now, no. If I look, now, if I was, Larry, if I was the biggest game of your career professionally, you need to start caring about defense. Well, it's not. No, if I was going to have a come to Jesus moment with Lowry and, and JB is like a do, I'd be like, guys, can we stop these post ups with Lowry against guards? <laughs> like they don't work. He you don't even make the entry pass as well. He doesn't like use. He, he doesn't get off good shots. Like it's like okay, wasted possession. Like in my notes, it's like this just went off the rails. Like Your guys, dad had a stellar here? assessment. That's NSFW. Well, yeah, just I'll. This is you know we're in the plus reels. Went to one Cavs game. My dad very in the year. He was out on marketing within like five minutes. Just hysterically, just like he's not good. I don't like this guy. Like I don't know Can't if he's still. Just he's just out. Um, if you don't pass the dad eye test, you're pretty much done. So yeah, this is the, yeah, it's me and me and Bill Simmons's dad's just chat here. Um, the Cavs for the year in terms of uh, three point per- the number of shots given up from three, they're like about league average in terms of the amount of threes they give up. Like it's not something they're like going out of their way to, to like rush and, and take away, but they're also not like just giving them away a la like, like Sacramento, Portland, Indiana, and Chicago have kind of done. Atlanta actually gives up a lot of threes, which is kind of interesting considering like, will the Cavs just try to like use Larry, like the Cavs' ways to get threes is like, we're going to have Larry Market and Pop. We're going to have Kevin Love but, do his one Kevin Love Chris, thing where he pump fakes and steps to the side. Second- Atlanta is the second best three point shooting team in the league. That's that's well, what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying defensively, they give up yeah. a lot of threes. Yeah, and one of the reasons I'm worried about Kevin Love is exactly that. And also, you know, the, the Hawks are like you just said, the Hawks are awesome at shooting threes and making them, but they don't they don't take a lot. They, they're actually below average in attempts per game. Yeah. They're like league average in three point attempt rate. And I, I've come and said that all year long. Like the Hawks should take more threes than they do. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case in this game. You talked about the, the absence of that like apex wing. The Hawks don't really have that. Like Donovich has been playing really well. He is questionable with the ankle injury, so we'll see if that's limiting him at all. But he's been, I won't say a star level player, but in the second half of the season, both last year and this year, he's been like a 20 point a game scorer, like a fringe, like star ish kind of offensive player. I'm not saying he's quite on that level, but. I think he's the X factor in terms of like beyond Trey offensively for Atlanta. If there's one more guy on offense, it's, mm-hmm. it's probably Bogdanovich because he's their number two. When Trey's off the floor, he's because their number one. He plays off Trey very well. I think if uh, just as a if, if watching from, from the cab side, if if, Bo- if Bogey has 15 points in the first half or something like that, you're probably in some trouble if you're the Cavs because that means that he's loose and Trey's probably doing Trey stuff and then it gets off the rails. The the, the easiest way to slow the Hawks, and I say this is it's not easy, but is to not let um, Bogdanovich beat you, I think, because Trey is probably going to beat you, just no matter what. You have to yeah. assume that Trey's going to Trey's get his, and what you can't have is a, is a number two guy or number three guy get go off and get 22 points, whether it be Gallinari or Bogdanovich making threes and taking threes, because Bogey's also the most uh, most aggressive three-point shooter. And after all we just said, like the Hawks are awesome at making threes. They, don't, they just don't take that many. That's and fair. I'll be interested to see how many they take, because if they take 40 threes in this game, I love that for the Hawks. I would fear that for the Cavs. That that's my fear as well. And plus, with Trey Young being the best player on the floor for either team, I wonder if maybe a little bit of that villain side of his, he might want to kill the Cavs and just kind of have one of those career nights. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm confident Trey, Trey on national TV on the road is going to enjoy himself. But now, whether he whether he shoots the ball great is another another question. And I've said this a lot recently. I was kind of I guess I was kind of proven wrong against Charlotte, not wrong, but maybe a little bit wrong at Charlotte. And like I've been saying, look, the Hawks rely on him so much that. In a one-game scenario, if he has a bad game, the Hawks are in some trouble. 
I'll say that if he's bad or bad ish in Cleveland, the playing field is now level or tilted towards Cleveland. So there is some variance there. Obviously you're happy to have Trey young, but he's not someone that's going to stop shooting. So if he doesn't have it, he's going to press a little bit. That's his tendency is to press a little bit. And we saw that even in the Charlotte game, it didn't matter because the Hornets were just impeccably bad defensively. It was actually like a masterclass of bad, but uh, they uh, Trey will keep shooting whether he has it or not. So that's, that's one little, little, one little X factor is that if they're having success, uh, he can shoot you out of it as much as he can shoot you into it too. So we'll see. Brad, let's, let's actually want to end on that. So Young had 24 and 11 against just three turnovers in, in the game against Charlotte. On 28, on 20 possessions, I believe, as well. Yes, uh, yeah. 8 to 24 from the field, 1 to 7 from 3, 7 to 8 from the line. Was there something Charlotte did that threw that gave him a weird look? Was it uh, just an off? Now, like, is there anything that Cleveland, if Cleveland's going to crunch the tape on that game, that they can say, okay, we're going to try, we're going to try this and throw it to Trey in our in our do 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 or die game here? I don't think it was that replicable, just because the Hornets, it didn't work. But the Hornets threw their bag of tricks at him, mostly on blitzes, and the way that we talked about earlier, the Cavs probably are not going to do like flying their bigs way up to the level, using Plumlee, uh, using P.J. Washington to trap, all this stuff. And I thought Trey just kept shooting in a way that he didn't need to. And I noted that on the podcast, like it became very clear early in that game that the Hawks could do whatever they wanted to when he passed. They were getting open three after open three after layup and whatever. But like I said before, Trey has this tendency to where he thinks he has to shoot. And he didn't need to shoot in that game really at all. And he still took 24 shots, sometimes through doubles. And some of it was just a bad game too. So like, I don't think he played that badly. But there were some hints in there about him just like, I feel like I have to go out and score 30. There's this mindset of Trey where he's, he thinks he's going to have to score. And I do think, though, in this game, it's a more comfortable matchup for him because the Cavs play some drop and they're playing a little bit more traditional defense. And I think that's where Trey eats, unfortunately, if you're the Cavs, is that the Cavs are good, good defense, especially if Allen plays, they're a good defense. But Trey will be even more comfortable in this matchup almost than he was against Charlotte, even though the Cavs are a much, much better defense than the Hornets. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can't. I cannot wait for Trey Young to exploit Larry Market and if Jared Allen doesn't play. Well, it, I mean, even, even if Allen plays, like, all, no disrespect to those guys, but like, if if you're playing drop against Trey with really anyone, you're not going to stop it. Like, nope. he, he does. He, he he gets whatever he wants against drop. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Joel and Joel Embiid is a superhuman, and Trey did anything he wanted to against Joel Embiid most of the series. So it's just like you can't you can't contain him anyway you just have to hope that he's either having miss, missing shots or he's passing and nobody else is making shots those are your two options to stop trail basically yeah uh i can't wait for this it's going to be a bonkers night in cleveland ohio because the guardians home opener Cavs tip off 30 minutes later Ooh. probably some weirdos wearing brown jerseys anyway be safe uh, guys <laughs> look I'm, I'm excited it has not been a dual sports night like this i think in a long time i mean i I, I remember like the, the when the Cavs got there, uh, it was like a world. It's, this is not nearly the same level. It was level almost the a Cavs. three sport night before the Monsters had to postpone their game. Well, yeah, they couldn't play them at the same time and like switching the court at Rocket. But the, <laughs> the Cavs, uh, the, there was a World Series game the same night the Cavs got their rings. And it was like insane navigating oh, yeah. downtown. And I think this will be not quite that, obviously, but it'll, it'll have some pop to it. Very similar to uh, James Borrego, Hornets head coach, accusing the Hawks of uh, planning a train on the tracks, making them walk to the game yesterday. That Actually, <laughs> got to tell you, when I was when I saw I did not know about the train thing until I got on the, the dime slack and then was like going back and reading about it. And I'm just like, James Brago thinks Trey Young is just actively like messing up tr- the, the train schedule. Me, me and the Hornets had the same had the same walk to the arena yesterday. 
because nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody could get in. It was incredible. Tough but, stuff. Uh, I guess I'd choose the two sport night over that. I had to choose. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Evan, any final thoughts before we, we hit eject here? Uh, no, not really. Um, predictions? Support. I need, I need, I need, I need predictions, fellas. You gotta, you gotta give me. <sighs> I was gonna try to like hit. A, no way. Like, I, I was gonna Irish not. exit my way out of. A I absolutely not. Same. I was just gonna say support Ukraine if you can. But uh, my prediction. Jeez. Why do you say, oh, geez, Chris, it's a good thing to support. I I know. Evan does one thing a show where I'm just like, someone's going to get really mad at Evan for this. Usually it's when he when he hits the vape pen. But you can you can uh, just predict both teams played hard if you want to. I'm just wanting to say. Um, I'm 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 going to go Atlanta 112 Cleveland 109. Well, I was specific. I don't know. I don't even score. Yeah, I don't have a score. You you one up me. Cover the line. (laughs) Cover the line, boys. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Cavs. Oh, oh okay. Chris is the company man. Interesting. Okay. Not roll kind of a roll. I don't feel good about that. And I the roll reversal from our last episode and I was super high on the Cavs with the Nets loss and Chris I was like, like eh, they're no, I, I think it's I think it's defensible to pick the Cavs. I'm not going to. I, I think the Hawks are the better team. And I think playing it on the road does genuinely scare me because they have quite literally they have one road win over a even decent team in three and a half months i'm not exaggerating one and they beat the hornets who are barely a decent team so like they don't really have a good road win since december and by the way it was against cleveland in december Fred, here's the thing though unless jared allen plays and looks like jared allen and again no idea the Cavs, if they yeah. are at all what they've been like of late, are not even a decent team no i, I let me say this i'm not this is not p- picking on the Cavs. if allen doesn't play it will be, in my mind, a disappointment if the Hawks lose. If Allen does play and looks, the, and, and looks okay. like Jared Allen, then it becomes like a coin flip-ish kind of game for me. I still pick the Hawks because they have the best player, but I think it's defensible if Allen is Allen to think the Cavs are going to win the game. If Allen doesn't play, the Cavs could still win. I'm not saying they couldn't, but like I think just team quality-wise, the Hawks, where they are right now versus the Allenless Cavs is a fairly significant gap in my mind. Yeah. Can't wait for this one. It's going to be a fun night. Everyone, check out Lockdown Hawks. If you haven't already, if you're listening to Lockdown Hawks, check out Lockdown Cavs and leave five star ratings and reviews if you haven't. Go get Brad to 1,000 YouTube subscribers right I'm now. Trying. Right now. Please, bro. I put, I put a call out today that said uh, trying to get to 900 by, by, by tip off on uh, on Friday. We're just trying to get there. That's all. I'm just, it's important. I, as you guys know, higher ups are always like, hey, YouTube subscribers and listens and watches. So subscribe to you on, on YouTube. Yeah. Please do that. Thank Please you. Please do. Uh, Evan and I, I'm. Evan and I will be back uh, on Saturday after the Cavs, after whatever happens again. Brad, when's, when's your next pod coming after this one? As soon as the game is over, I will be trying to record a podcast. So okay. it will be happening Friday into Saturday. Yeah. Yes, we will have some good times. Everyone have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the night. If you're in Cleveland and you're going downtown, uh, be safe out there. And maybe yeah, take a couple the game. We'll talk say to you hey. again soon. Yeah, please do. Don't be weird. Just We're don't nice be guys. weird. Talk to you later. Yeah, just say, hey, how's it going? We're good.